Hey there, parishioners. Welcome to this very exciting bonus episode. So now that we finally finished the book of Job, we invited theologian J.D. Meckelke to answer some of our many, many, many questions. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, we've got some questions, and I know you've also listened to uh, some of our episodes that have come out so far, and we also gave you secret access to some of the ones that haven't even been released yet. Whoa. Uh, so you probably have things for us as well, but do we want to start with just some of our questions? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, as you know from listening to the podcast, we only barely know what it is that we're talking about, and we have- and I don't a, know anything. And we have a lot of unanswered questions. And so let's start in with our questions about the book of Job, which we just finished. We finally finished after four billion weeks of reading Job. We finally got there. Um and I guess I'll start us out by saying that it was definitely really interesting for us getting like 10 chapters into Genesis and then suddenly smash cut, now you're in Job, and such a stylistic difference in the writing where we suddenly mm-hmm. go from this happened and then this happened, then the Lord said this and then this happened and then so-and-so begat so-and-so to this like really expansive, poetic, philosophical exploration about the nature of God and justice in the world. Um, and okay, I guess what I'm leading up to is like, I, I've heard that it's theorized that that Moses maybe wrote the book of Job, huh. but that also Moses maybe wrote the books, of, like, you know, those early books of like Genesis and Exodus and stuff like that. But to me, it doesn't seem like the same person writing these books. Do you have any insight into that at all? Yeah, it's total bullshit that, that Job wrote that that Moses was written by Job. That's just that's like, just what a cursory tells, Google search said. Yeah, no, yeah, just any part of the first five books of the Bible. Just don't, just forget Moses. Okay, so um, okay, done, forgotten. To answer your question about Job, they think there was um, there's a theory that Job was written by one person or two or three people. Um, I would lean more towards two or three, um, Genesis. And we don't, we have no idea who, who wrote Job. We just have an idea of the, um, amount of people, right? The Genesis and Genesis. So the parts you've read so far, the best theory out there right now is that, so I guess the parts you've read so far would just be, um, the priestly sort P and J. I think, or no, maybe it'd be E and J. So these are just like different labels we biblical interpreters have put on on different verses. So they've literally gone verse by verse and say, this looks like it was written by this kind of a person. Oh. And this verse like a Myers-Briggs like topography. Exactly. That's right. You said yeah, E and J yeah. and I was like, I ENFP. Know, right? like, I know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like type type of person meaning like we think this one was written by like a politician and this one was written by a, a church scribe or more like these are letters we've given to specific people or not specific people but like we think this is one individual and this is another individual like which um yeah no it's a good question so it's more of um the individual so the okay, type of person probably isn't the best way to say it but there is a distinct so in those chapters of genesis you've read so far there's definitely differences between their beliefs about God, right? So, mm-hmm. like, just in the flood story, for example, um, there are there's a book by a guy named Friedman called Who Wrote the Bible, which is a fairly common 
like an accepted book, academic literature. But Friedman literally goes verse by verse as an example in the flood story and and pieces out these two things. And so there is the – I believe it's the um, – so one source paints God as this very omnipotent or like um, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And then this other source – paints this picture of God as very anthropomorphic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw that, I'm sure, when you read uh, the creation stories too, that one moment God is like speaking and creating things, and the next he's walking in the garden. So, right. The, yeah. Yeah, and so – and there's also different like styles of writing Hebrew, obviously, which is the language these books were written in. And so these – so like – if you hear Shakespeare in English, right, and yeah. then you hear like Stephen Colbert, um, <laughs> while they're both in English, you're going to realize yeah. the difference, right? Uh-huh. That this right. one's from this, you know, so it's, it's think of it in those terms as well. So. Interesting. So, so maybe- that's kind of how they've identified these different people who are probably writing down different parts of it. Huh. Yeah, that's exactly. So. Wow. wow. Really fascinating. I Oh, yes. Did you want to continue? I just wanted to build on that just really quickly. And so how is it like in that same way that we know that it's possible that there were like two or three people who wrote two or three different individuals who wrote the book of Job as well? Yeah. So Job, um, the main reason people think that there's at least two people that wrote Job is because there's that random person in the middle of it that shows up. Elihu. 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 Elihu, yeah. Elihu what? Elihu, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it's a great name for my firstborn, that poor child. So, yeah. Elihu. <laughs> yeah. But um, because Elihu, however you say his name, doesn't oh. really show up at all beforehand, um, is a clue and also the argument that this that that person gives isn't really all that unique in content it's just different in structure um oh did you say that (laughs) oh we've we've had arguments about this on the podcast for whatever reason dedeker really liked him i like that he i like that he brought something fresh to the okay two things i like that he brought something fresh to the conversation fine in structure but i also liked as jace pointed out that he was much more transcendental in the way that he talked about god and i'm you know i'm really into transcendentalism in general so like he got me there emily and jace were not big fans of <laughs> he Ellie got or me that's good <laughs> <laughs> sorry please continue yeah so, okay so no, so no. so they think that ellie like someone like another writer maybe read what had been written so far and was like i think this is what i want to add to this story so I'm going to put exactly. myself in Elihu's shoes. And I'm just going to kind of retcon that Elihu was here the whole time just listening. Exactly. Yep, oh, jeez. Because yeah. when he shows up, we were like, wait, what? It's like, who is yeah, this guy? No. <laughs> what? Yeah. You like question yourself, like, did I dream this? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Did I just miss where it mentioned that he showed up that he too was there, and yeah. also exactly. rented his clothes? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. No, oh, well, you not. were going to ask something. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, why is god hanging out with satan when this Mm. is happening when this happens at the beginning like why do they just have this big old bet and they're looking down on people and they're like ha 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 job we're gonna make his life suck a lot Mm -hmm. yeah no totally so the idea that satan is this like evil thing with a pitchfork that has that's in hell is not in the old Testament at all. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so in Job, um, in particular, the, there's not even a mention that Satan is evil, right? Um, or that Satan is like the like a, a opposed to God, right? It almost seems like oh. they're they're allies in a way of yeah. some sort. So, and there's um, in the Hebrew, there's uh, the word the in front of Satan, um, and that would mean that Satan isn't a name there. Satan is actually an office. He's the oh my, Satan. We, we literally you? said those words. You, Dedeker, said the yeah. words. That's oh not Satan so the person, smart. but Satan the office of like, as in, Did I say? yeah, oh, like, the state department. No, I said the state department is what I said. No, I had, I made the state department. I said he's like one of the, um, you know, attorney, attorney generals, like prosecutors mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And then you, no, totally. yeah. Okay. So we I did. I thought get that, that you right. said that more recently, not like back when Satan was beginning. No, yeah, that was later in no, Job. We didn't figure that yeah. out until just if, like toward the end of Job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, okay. So in the Hebrew, it's the Satan. Yeah, so it's very clear that it's an office. Um, okay. Wow. It's, yeah, yeah. So um, it's almost like the attorney general in a way. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a good way yeah. That yeah. it's that Satan, the Satan is a member of the council of the gods kind of in a way. So because oh. there is a lot of us and we, um, yeah. I think there's a council somewhere like that. But yeah, and so Satan um, is, you have to kind of shed your, your baggage about Satan. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot more sense because we were very confused about that because we brought all our baggage with us. Right. Even yeah. though this is literally for us because we just read the first part of Genesis, then went to Job, mm. was the first time we'd ever encountered Satan in the Bible. Right. But then like, he was or, like, I mean, this... he whispered to the serpent or, or but did he, he whisper to the serpent like, or that... was he the serpent? Yeah, that's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the serpent is, I don't think that. The certain the serpent represents Satan. Okay, Ooh. see that's what I was trying to argue before too. Oh, interesting. Uh oh, uh oh. Well, no, it, no, it's debate. no, it's been it. great debate just because it is really interesting to to uh, you know, of course, like I read a passage and of course the first thing that comes to mind is like, well, this is what I was taught the interpretation should be from like my Christian school upbringing, but yeah, then yeah. to to encounter it again as an adult and be like, well, actually, as an adult reading all this, I think I interpret it this way and. Mm. So actually where those things, where there's a discrepancy there is actually quite interesting place for conversation and debate, I find. Um, uh, So I had a question that I feel like actually is a little bit different now that you've told us about these multiple writers and that maybe Elihu, Elihu was kind Mm -hmm. of inserted later or something. Uh, But in, uh, in, and like an interpretation that that we found and we talked about in our, in our last episode or one of our last episodes of Job was kind of the interpretation that like Job is making the argument that like I'm innocent uh therefore it's not fair that I'm being punished therefore either God is not just or God mm. doesn't run the world according to justice and then mm. it, then it says like the friends are making the argument that like no God is just therefore mm. Um, you know, Job, uh, therefore, if Job's being punished, it must be because he's bad. Mm-hmm, therefore, mm-hmm. Job did something awful and God's just. And then, yeah. and then it said that Elihu came along and said, also, God is just, but that God 
can like give suffering in order to like teach you oh, yeah. to prevent future future misdoings misdoings and to like yeah. build character therefore god is just yeah and i when i read it i didn't get that message at all uh, yeah. we, we debated about this a bunch mm-hmm. in that episode i was just curious though in terms of how sort of i know you can't quite answer for like the christian church as a whole since there's obviously so many viewpoints within that but like yeah. is it generally considered that like elihu Elihu came along and kind of gave the good answer after all this meaningless debate that the others have been doing? Mm. Or now that you've said this is another person stuck it in there, it, is it more just like, oh, no, he's just another one of the many opinions that are given? Uh, I was just curious yes. about yeah, that. Yeah, so um, the interpreters that I follow, um, which are the best, of course, um, <laughs> would say that, um, have said that Elihu is really just another voice among the many voices right and oh, that interesting. um i and so the end of job um god makes clear who's right and who's wrong mm. do you remember that part well yeah um, but he doesn't say anything about elihu yeah in the end well no that's true that's yeah. true because he, he just says that the friends need to oh, get forgiveness through job but he mentions he doesn't mention elihu he just mentions so far and Built out and Eliphaz, yeah. Yeah, I would say that's just because Elihu was added. Um, Mm. So Mm. with Job, there are, so there's this um, lady named Carol Carol Newsom, um, and she has argued that you should read the book of Job as what is called a polymorphic text, um, which comes from uh, this uh, Russian literary theorist, um, Mikhail Bukhtin, I think is the name. And so basically, the idea of a polyphonic text um, is that your response to that kind of text, this text that has many voices, um, isn't to um, get a final answer. It's really the purpose of these kind of texts is to insert yourself into it, um, Mm. to join the debate yourself. Um, And I I kind of like that way of looking at Job too. Um, I don't think that, I mean, if you read God's, long speech that God um, God's speech is indirectly is directly counter to what Elihu says along with the other friends of Job Mm -hmm. Um, and while Job obviously is not like Job's logic is not talked about um, I would say I would still follow what um, what God was uh, saying that my servant Job was right you know so Mm. Even though Job like goes back and forth, in my opinion, it feels like he does do a lot of like back and forth. Like how God is well, just God is just, and then God, how could you do this to me? Mm -hmm. I don't know. He just has Mm -hmm. he kind of contradicts himself over and over again. But yet, I guess the final word is that he's right. Maybe Mm -hmm. the part of him that's not being contradictory, or or. Saying that God is doing bad stuff, that's the right mm-hmm. part. Yeah. I would say that the right part is how Job like struggles with it. I don't think I don't think Job ever finds a solid answer to his questions. Yeah, right? yeah okay. Because I was well, gonna say I don't how feel is like that right. And I think that <laughs> right. is in a weird way the right answer. Um because the book of Job is I mean, deals with this crazy question, you know, a group of questions. And um, I 
don't I mean I don't I couldn't think of any good way to end Job right um, mm. with a final nice answer I have some stories that I can give to help give some um, light to the question of where is God in suffering um, mm. but I think the idea the interpretation I would like to ha- I have is that it's this struggle um, th- between these different ideas between while well, God is is shitting right or God is completely just. It's mm-hmm. this tension between these two things um, that I think is the right answer. And that's very typical of, of Hebrew Jewish writings mm-hmm. is that huh. so um, I, I'll, I'll go on a rant and you can edit it out if you want. So, <laughs> so um, the, there's like this very postmodern idea, right, that, that things can contradict each other but still be correct. Right, mm, and so a lot of postmodern ideas um, actually, when we read the the Hebrew Bible in particular, they it's almost like we're going back there. And so there was in the middle there's this Greek philosophy, right? That the, that there's an absolute and that there is a truth, and that it's better to be eternal than to be mortal, etc. Right? Um, but really. This this postmodern idea that no, like being mortal is is actually better than maybe being eternal, or that there is no um, total right and total wrong. Um, there's that that you can hold two contradictory things at the same time. The yeah. Hebrew Bible, I think, does a lot of that same move, um, and a lot of theologians are saying that there's actually this move back, um, trying to rid out Christianity, Christian theology, of the um, Greek philosophy that's huh. really um, screwed things up in, wow. in a lot of ways, to be honest. So, so that's a little deeper of an answer than maybe you were looking for. But um, I love it. I no, think, yeah, that's super fascinating. I want to know m- so much more, well, but I think we're just going to have yeah. to invite you back a bunch of times to keep talking <laughs> yeah. about that. And yeah, I guess that's good. That is like because you both have said that Job is used as a way to like teach kids or teach people like, you know, you need to be to love God, even though you suffer or whatever, like love him in spite of that, I guess. Yeah, no. And so that is my question. Like why use the story of Job? Because Mm -hmm. it's a long slog. And even (laughs) y'all were like, Okay, we yeah. never. This wouldn't have been read. Uh, yeah, not read, yeah. well, not all of it. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so I guess I just wonder if there isn't something definitive. I, I the the point the is point? that yeah. yeah, the point is that mm-hmm. that definitiveness, like there isn't going, it's not going to be there, and so mm-hmm. therefore it still needs to hold up as something that you aspire to be, like Job. Yeah. yeah. Answer some questions here for me, <laughs> yeah, people. That's good. That's I'm good. like. <laughs> That's really good. So I, my favorite character in the whole book is Job's wife. And yes. she gets oh my God. Books. Me too. Me too. Right? She's Thank just you, like. Right? Um, so I'll just read quick what she said. Um, chapter one, verse nine. Then his wife said to him, do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. And I. Um, yes. And, and so the. Job is the ignorant one, I think. Mm. Job is the one that's like, oh, you know, what did he say? Um, 
the Lord gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, sure, you know, we can sing that in church. I think Job's wife gets at the question, um, gets at the most important question a lot more poignantly, that, that do you still persist in your integrity? Um, and the Hebrews actually, there's this play on words here between what is righteous and what is honest. Um, mm. And so they're in Job. So the character Job holds on to his integrity. And I interpret that as he holds on to his experience. So his experience tells him that, no, I've not, I've not done things wrong. Um, I don't deserve this, maybe better way to put it. Mm. I don't deserve this. Um, so God, how is God just? And yeah. so he's holding on to that integrity of ex- his experience. Um, and I see that as um, really important. Uh, and, and so it is his wife, right, um, that that actually kind of foreshadows that he will persist in his integrity, even though in the beginning he's just like, oh, God's good. I just need to get through it. Um, and so I would actually say that, that Job um, is much more a um, – there, there's this – word um that Jews use a lot called chutzpah yeah you've heard that word before yeah yeah it's like mm-hmm. the it's like uh um audacious questioning it's like so it's it's if god is in front of you the omnipotent omnipotent creator of the world and you're like god do you are you really good um mm. that's chutzpah you know it's like uh. pissing in your pants scary questions right and so uh. Um, I think that is really where Job ends up, right? Is that Job starts very kind of ignorant and very like, oh, I just need to be good and and I just need to um, bless God. But eventually, I think that um, he gets a lot more into that struggle. So, mm. but I and so that's why I like that you talked about that M because um, yeah. Job definitely is not a one-dimensional character. I don't think in this. No. So. He's not, and his struggle is real. We see it, but it is. It, it, I just, I questioned a lot. I was like, "So, are you? Is this just you talking through it the whole time, mm-hmm. again and yeah, again totally. and again, and kind of talking yourself in circles here?" Mm-hmm. It, but, but I guess, yeah. The point is of what JD just said that he's he doesn't really come to anything specifically, but that is his integrity being kept. Mm-hmm. I think that that idea of holding two two opposing beliefs at the same time that's really interesting because I, I think something that I definitely found for myself I guess when I first started like in college trying to like learn more about the Bible and a little bit more of like critical analysis of the Bible mm. and historical whatever and you know I obviously didn't go to get a, a master's or a PhD or anything in that. But like in doing that, part of what was so interesting is to is that change from this message that I think the public is taught and that kids within the Christian church are taught that like the Bible is a book of answers and instructions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. in reality it's not that. I mean, maybe there are some sections that feel a bit like that, but that and so that's kind of what I actually really loved about reading Job, because like like we said, Job was not a book you read in Sunday school all the way through. You, there's like a couple of key lines that get yeah. trotted out now and then and yeah. the funerals and stuff like that. But like to actually read the whole thing, I was like, wow, this is yeah, like 
the case in point, like the Bible is not about answers, but more about this kind of chronicling these debates and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. So it, it, throughout all of this, it's a bunch of men talking, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, there her, there's a mention of Job's daughters and that they mm. get land and mm. they mention them by name. And we were just like, okay, I mean, that's cool. That's great that the daughters get a mention. But is there like, is there mm. any context for that? Why did these daughters all of a sudden right at the very end of Job and the epilogue get a mention and then, you know, they get some land? Is there a reason for that? This is kind of rare. There, no, totally. Uh, I'm. It's really cool that you notice that. And um, I think it's important to notice, too. So another thing that a kind of parallel thing to notice is that they haven't identified Job as an Israelite. Okay. Or, or a member of Israel. Um, and that's a big deal in the old Testament. Mm. I mean, you know, you've read all of those genealogies, like this right. person gave birth to this person, etc. Right. And so that's showing how big of a deal your lineage is that you can say, I'm an Israelite. There's yeah. none of that in Job. And I, mm. and yet we have it in the Bible. And so there are some things in Job, um, and I would say even um, so. There are there are some gender um, plays I think that happen in Job. Um, besides that one, so so I wouldn't say there's a reason, but I think it's worth noting that wow, that's that's definitely a counter narrative, right, yeah. to what's normally going on. Like another example of that would be uh, where is it? Chapter thirty-eight. So on verse eight. There, um, God's saying, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from my womb, when I made right. the clouds and its garment in thick darkness is swallowing then. So God is comparing God's self to a mother, right? To somebody yeah. with a uterus that's giving birth, right? Um, yeah. And so that's that. definitely um, worth noting, I think. So there's a few things like that. Um, and like you said at the end of Joe too, where there's a little a little bending of the gender norms um, that I think is significant for the time. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's I like at the beginning that. it talks about Job having sons and daughters, but then we only talk about what happens to the sons after that. Yeah, oh, exactly. That yeah. yeah, well, the son it talks about all the sons dying in uh, the house collapsing. They get blown away. <laughs> they get blown away, <laughs> mm-hmm. but no mention of daughters at all. <laughs> yeah, and so I was because I remember earlier on it was sort of like are the daughters fine did they die too i don't know like he hasn't yeah. really mentioned them and he talks about his children not mm-hmm. very much but the times that he does it's just like my children mm, um, interesting but so then it's interesting that at the end we don't get the names of any new sons we only get the names of these daughters yeah no that is interesting um and i think how much do you guys know about the how patriarchal it was mm-hmm. In the I can the only assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, JD. Yeah. So, so I would say that just to make it clear for people that um, that obviously the older men had all the power and money and the wealth, right? Um, that that women did not own land, which in this case is significant that they did get land, right? Yeah, um, and that. We can talk. We should talk about this another time. But um, women 
there's this theory now that I really buy into that um, in the Hebrew Bible and a lot of other ancient Near Eastern texts, really up until um, Greco-Roman times, that there was actually, no, not Greco-Roman times, up until like three centuries ago or even two centuries ago, oh, wow. there is actually one sex um, in in Western thought instead of two sexes. Wow. Um, and so women are actually less male. The theory goes that – because um, I'm going on a rant again. But there's this, <laughs> this, this, this theory that um, from these old Greek medical textbooks that, huh. um, that in women um, that they thought that they had a, a dick and a ball sack, but it was just hidden up. You know, so if they ran too much, it would just fall out. You know, And so um, – and – they so they believe that women were literally just like worse off men, and so right. that's yes. yeah. So there's, yeah. there's actually a continuum instead of a. I know, isn't that? Crazy? I'm pretty it's sure like, y'all are the worse off ones. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. no, I'm this is serious. not the platform for this. All I'm saying yeah. is that's a really weird thing because oh, yeah. we don't totally have the up, so. genitalia. Well, but I mean, but that's biblically supported because it's like the first human that's made was a man and then yeah. a woman is just like a rib of well, the man, rib of the I, man. Don't, I don't want to go that far to say no? the first human made as a man the 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 hebrew word there adam is is really genderless oh gender, yeah. so, so this um huh. yeah literally means dirt person oh um, great that's what we are all just little dirt babies <laughs> yeah yep yep <laughs> <laughs> I love that very much. Next time I see an Adam, I'm just going to be like, dirt person. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Okay. I really want to keep exploring dirt person, but uh, just one last question about Job. And uh, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about different translations and different interpretations of the Bible. Um, and, uh, JD, you mentioned specifically that NIV, which is the translation that we're using for this podcast, um, that you think they they kind of try to make some New Testament and Old Testament stuff kind of match up, maybe a little bit more than it originally would have in the original text or manuscript. And so there was some stuff that happened in Job. There were some references that Job made talking about like his advocate in heaven, the one in heaven who will intercede for him, the one in, the one who will redeem him. And it was a lot of language that I was like, this is a lot of language that I feel like has been applied to the figure of Christ. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was wondering, I was like, is that like a weird prediction about Christ? Or was that more of like, you were talking about like translators kind of just trying to match up, uh, you know, New Testament and Old Testament stuff. It depends. But I would say in general, when, so when you're, it is a thing that like a systematician, like somebody, a theologian would do. It makes sense for them to say, hey, oh, that looks like Jesus, right? Um, yeah. For somebody that's just an Old Testament scholar, even if they're a Christian, it's better practice for them to not make that connection. I see. Um, so just kind of so not depends pretend what your that that doesn't is, really. exist. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And so for your guys' purpose, I would say um, don't even – like think about Jesus don't even go there. Jesus. Don't, just don't even think about Jesus. <laughs> just don't even think about him, right? It doesn't exist yet. Yeah, yeah, I guess to just not even worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna as, no, it's as a good you question said. though. Like that it's 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 good that you 
your um, evangelical upbringing taught you well. <laughs> oh, yes. So it's oh, like, there's so much there. Oh, and yeah, so much there. Yeah. Well, okay. So, okay. So then next question from that is, okay, so if we are trying to look at it more in a little bit of a vacuum, more as just an Old Testament scholar would, then what does that mean talking about an advocate in heaven or someone who's going to redeem you or someone who's your intercessor in heaven? Cause we were confused about that. We're like, is it, is that an angel attorney that's going against the state department prosecutor? That is the Satan. Yeah. The Satan. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think, I mean, the only other title of this um, council is Satan, right? So yeah, that'd be kind of my mind almost jumps to saying that that, Maybe that's Satan. Satan is your redeemer, folks. You know, but I'm ch- so um, it's just mind blowing. Uh, really, right? You know, so but no, it would make sense because um, it's kind of a the satan in Hebrew. I think if yeah. I remember right, is a play on words between advocate, ally, and accuser. There's these huh. two things going on. Oh, interesting. I um, thought it was just like accuser or prosecutor. Well, I could be wrong. So. Um, and there's also another uh, – so biblical scholars often, um, when they don't know something, they'll just say it's oral tradition. So it could very well be oral tradition. So. <laughs> it's a right. good strategy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. It's yeah, good catch-all. Just, yeah. Nobody really knows. It's just oral yeah, tradition. Good catch-all. That's great. Exactly. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, Job was super fascinating. Yeah. Just it definitely gave us – a lot to talk about, yeah. even though it was very, very long uh, and a lot of like not a lot happening and just a lot of people talking. But a lot of good dunks, as we discovered. A lot yeah. of good insults that we've now been. Wind. Yeah, we've now been whipping out on each other. We've been calling each other miserable comforter, or, like you are as yeah. unreliable as an intermittent stream, or. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, do you exactly, have a monopoly on do you wisdom? Have a monopoly do you have a monopoly on wisdom? I whipped that one out on Jace yes. the other day. It was, it, that was great. Gosh. Those are some great takeaways. But yeah, thank you for giving us even a little more context about all of it. That's yeah. awesome. 